Min, Min, what what does he say in that movie? An Anchorman? When Ron Burgundy's yeah. like How now, up. Brown Cow? Well, he says How now, Brown Cow? But then there's like the Human Torch up. was denied a bank loan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what it was. Those movies are underrated. I think Anchorman. I think, I think Anchorman. How is that Step under, Brothers under, I, underrated. underrated in 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 um, film snob circles? I think really? I think Anchorman, Step Brothers, and Talladega Nights are. Those criminally are... underrated wow i've never heard anyone say anything like really bad oh. about them before dude i pe- i hear people all the time saying shit about uh uh stepbrothers and about um uh what's that it called stepbrothers is a really fun movie yeah. what and, kind of comedies Talladega do they, they think are are good then is are it good comedies? i mean comedy comedies really smart comedies that are but that's the thing is 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 talladega nights and um Step Brothers and Anchorman—they're actually Woody Allen humor. Yeah, there you go. Woody Allen humor is the is the humor that they all think is really good. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just it's it's the snobby shit. I don't know, but I, I think that those three movies—the Adam McKay, Will Ferrell collaborations—I think they're like sneaky smart. They're great. They're amazing. Yeah, I love them so much. No, I, I love uh, all well, of their full blown, comedies. They're full blown parodies. Like they're they're Not all but most. Yeah, they're they're all like they're all very. They're 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 all they're all very parody y and they have a lot of biting satire and I don't like I I think that there's a lot more depth to those three movies than than people give them credit for. So if you haven't listened to uh oh damn, I'm I'm breaking the fourth wall already before it's I'm in a cold open. I can't talk to the audience in a cold open. That's the rule of the cold open. I was, and now I was gonna jump in to and him. say you know what else has a cold open? Yeah, oh, it's the Savage Land. <laughs> From the cold open, yeah, I can usually see snip. the waveform, and then I snip, and then it's like a circumcision. And we're back. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> that part's staying in. Um, uh, I'm I'm uh, your your ask rabbi. It won't be. <laughs> I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Jason. Uh, I'm still I'm still insecure on whether or not I'm coming through, but I'm just going to assume that my voice sounds fine right now. Uh, how do my levels look, Kent? They look good. Uh, you're occasionally hitting yellow. Okay, well that's that's I guess that's okay. And there, it's on the LR bars. That I'm talking? It's not like yeah, coming through your mic? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Jason. Welcome back to the Savage Land. Uh, I'm here with my, my two good buddies, uh, Kent Heidelman. Hello. And Melody Mew. Hi. Welcome welcome to the show. You guys have both been on the show before. It's been... Uh, We're veterans now. You're veterans. Uh, I don't know how many episodes it's been since the last time you guys were it on the show. It might have been but a year ago. Was it a year ago? Yeah, we met around like when it was really cold. Really <laughs> that's cold? I remember. Yeah, that's... We're gonna put the mic closer to, to Melody's face. It was really cold. That that makes sense. It was probably about a year ago. Um, I'm like trying to see when that would have been. I'm scrolling down. It was the first time I've ever seen Kent without showing his knees. Oh, were you wearing pants that day, Kent? It was a nice skirt. <laughs> Good trim. Very tasteful. Absolutely super tasteful. It's a tasteful showing skirt. just enough for the imagination. Absolutely. Um, okay, it. Hmm. Need the precise date? No, I don't. I was like, I've, I've been like trying to find it, and I'm like, where the fuck is this thing? Um, Fascinated by it. Yeah, I have no idea when that last episode was, but whatever. It's you know what, it was guys. Definitely more than a year ago. Oh, I I do remember. Uh, it was the first time you mentioned Sabrina before getting uh, your job. Oh, was it before Sabrina. I got the job? Yeah, it was the first time you've mentioned the Chilling Adventures of. Oh. Yeah, Sabrina. 
So wow, that was that was a while ago then. That must yeah, have been yeah. December of last year, maybe. Um Wet Donut? No, that wasn't the episode. Anyway, anyway, if anyone knows what episode number that was, please let us know. We're gonna not spend more time on this. Um How you guys been? How's how's the last year been treating you too, since the audience heard from Well, I guess the audience, if they've listened to Comic Book Workshop, they they know about Kent a little bit, but yeah. Melody, you've been Yeah, let's talk let's have Melody talk. Melody, how you doing? Well, uh the last time I mentioned uh what I've been working on, it was uh a graphic novel called Fire and Mud. Yeah. And it's sort of been on hiatus. <laughs> so uh it's a it, it it's a story about a depressed uh, young woman who still lives at home, works a terrible fast food uh, job, mm-hmm. got dumped by her latest uh, terrible boyfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, she she's like in a she's spiral spiraling, and uh, in in a uh, stunning event uh, comes across a Buddhist deity who helps her out and tells her like, Hey, things are looking up. (laughs) So I'm sorry. Yeah. I knew a better log line for that, but, uh, it's a, it's a story that, uh, is, it's, it's, it's kind of my baby. And I, I, some, upon working on it, uh, it hit a little too close to home. So I'm just like, uh, I haven't looked at the pages yet, but I will go back to it this year. (laughs) It's yeah. it's for it's really good. I the pages that I've seen of it are yeah, fantastic. We've both seen them and they're excellent. They're I'm really ready. good. I'm ready for the finish oh, thing. Oh, thank you. Uh yeah, but at, at uh in in the meantime I've been working I've been developing a idea for a webcomic uh soon to come on webtoons this year. Soon to come on webtoons. Yeah. Um I'm I'm also very excited for that comic. If if you're if you're if you're a fan of things then you'll probably like it. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil anything, so that's. I didn't even talk about. If I've uh, you've pitched this one to me yet? Yeah. It's, yeah, you have. Yeah, I, I, you, you I have heard it, of it. You know about yeah. it. Yeah. Then I, I haven't heard a single project from it's you. In, that it's I'm in, not it's, in a, it's an alliterative title. Um, I'm not going to guess it from you, your moron. Uh, anyway, um, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few things today, guys. Uh, I think the the first thing maybe to talk about is. And our, our last episode was about Aquaman, but I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts of Aquaman. Chase and I talked about it, and, and he and I both really loved it. It was a bunch of, in my opinion, it was a bunch of dumb Don't, don't color my commentary for it. <laughs> I'm, but what, what, what did Melody and Kent, what did you guys think of Aquaman? Melody, oh, you go first. I, I loved it. I loved it, too. It was so fun. Yeah. I think I liked it more than Wonder Woman. Oh really? They they were different movies for me. I think that was the problem, and I was afraid of that. It's just like I'm like, how do you you don't compare? I was I was thinking of Man of Steel, and then I was like, uh, like they're it's such a different movie, and thank God I don't need them all to be the same tone. And so yeah, compare like it's too. apples to oranges kind of a comparison. Yeah, uh, Wonder Woman for me was a romantic war hero story, and Aquaman was just fantasy. Yeah, underwater like chaotic chaos indiana jones water barbarian yes yeah it was (laughs) exactly what it needed to be and it was all the things there was like some there's a lot of like really minor small things that i would have tweaked here and Mm -hmm. there i've just been and it could just been like the editing there was some just patrick wilson's hair i liked patrick wilson's hair all right (laughs) he was he was the ocean Ocean master Master. yeah Yeah, there was no it wasn't him it was the uh redheaded king Oh, Dolph he, Lundgren's hair? Yeah. No, I, I loved, loved it. Dolph Lundgren's hair. I love Dolph Lundgren. I loved it so much. He was, I didn't Dolph know he Lundgren. was in it. I, I went blind and he blew my mind. That was one of the only things I knew about that movie from the start because early on when I was working on Sabrina, we I, I 
I had the uh, ADR stage right after Aquaman was done, and they were working with Dolph Lundgren. And so I, like, peeked through a window and saw on a screen Dolph Lundgren in full Aquaman costume. And that was the first thing that I had seen from that movie. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, Dolph Lundgren with a red beard and red hair? What the hell? He was amazing. (laughs) More more of him. You didn't like it, though? Uh, well, I didn't even know that was Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> so, okay, I literally, I, I don't know that much about him. I feel like a lot of more teenage boys, uh, yes. idolize Dolph Lundgren than I have. Uh, well, I think it's more, I think it's more, um, um, I haven't point, seen the Rocky movies, oh, okay. uh, other than Creed and maybe the first one. And, uh, so I didn't grow up, uh, uh idolizing him. So I, I saw I he saw swims. the first Expendables recently, and I was like, "Why? Who is this guy? And why does why? I feel like it's like bad ADR that they're doing with his voice, but really, it, it turned out to be his accent. So doesn't it he? Was, he's like super smart, right? Yeah, he has a PhD or he has, yeah, he has a like a master's degree. He has a PhD in like some sort of weird thing. I'll look it up, but go continue. Yeah, I I loved him. I thought he was fucking amazing. Um, he blew my you're, mind. You're yeah. not you're not in for the Dolph you know Lund- Lundgren he, Renaissance. Uh, I I think I will once I start watching some of his movies, and and start paying attention to him. But he's kind of like oh. Dan Aykroyd for me in that people really love these actors, uh, but for whatever reason I didn't grow up with them, so I don't have the same passion. That's wow. true. If you're going in without like a a buzz from being like, oh, I love this actor. It's just it, their presence on the screen is giving you like the feels from whatever movies that you see. But mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it and you're just seeing it the first time, you're like, who gives a shit? Kind yeah. of. I, I literally thought the redheaded king was just a random character actor. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. I feel no. like you guys are I'm not, like. I'm not. Uh, I don't run a fan page for Dolph yet. <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, we'll put me on. Uh, it's, it's my, my fin stuff. Um, I is it a ginger fan page. No. <laughs> Um, so it, it was chemical engineering, by the way. He has a master's degree in chemical engineering. Oh, cool. Um, anyway, I, I really, I'm, I'm super down for the Lund Renaissance that's happening right now. He's <laughs> this year. He was in Creed two and in Aquaman, like two of the biggest movies of the year, uh, as well as Blackwater. I don't know what that is, but he's got four movies coming in 2019. Like Dang. this dude's back in a big way. Um, I, I skipped out on kindergarten cop two whenever that came out. Then you're not a real fan. <laughs> You're not, you're, a right. real, you're not a real Lundgren head. Unsubscribe me from that, yeah. that page. Did you know he direct a, directed a few movies? What? Yeah, he directed uh, the movies The Defender, The Mechanic, uh, Diamond Dogs, and Missionary Men. Not The Mechanic to be confused with the Jason Statham movie. It's uh, The Mechanic with a K. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I th- and I think I think The Mechanic was the one that um, Brian Hill, friend of the show Brian Hill, wrote for him. Uh, oh. Which he's told stories about before. Like, he went out to, like, Italy or something like that, uh, where he like stayed at Dolph Lundgren's house and co-wrote that movie with him. Is kind of crazy. Um, Dolph invites you over. Let's write this movie together. Yeah, and it was like in really. Italy. It was fairly early in Brian's career too. Like this was, I mean, ten, fifteen years ago. <laughs> he just like co-wrote a movie with Dolph Lundgren in his house in Italy or some shit. It's wild. Um, but I'm 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 so down for Lundgren, uh, and I I absolutely loved seeing him in in the full adorned like. The, the, he looked like um a young version of the king from uh the little mermaid yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah so triton yeah triton there you go yeah they, they really like Mira was ariel and and this was before uh she went up to the surface to to get her legs okay exactly <laughs> All right. that's cool what was your uh not to focus on the negative but i'm curious what was your 
thing that annoyed you the most or was your least favorite thing about Aquaman? Probably. Besides Dolph Lundgren. Uh, probably some of the uh, tonal. Uh, really? Tonality. Like uh, inconsistencies or? Uh, because they, they will be on a plane flying over the Sahara Desert. I believe that's yeah. where it was. Uh, and all of a sudden it becomes kind of like a slapstick type of deal. Mm-hmm. And I and I try to uh I, I I try to understand that it was a wacky, uh outrageous superhero premise that, you know, takes place underwater. Yeah. But for whatever reason I didn't totally love when uh Amber Heard was coughing up sand and, and it just seemed like um it wasn't really needed. <laughs> so I I personally love some of the silly moments like how she took a bite out of a rose and mm, yeah. is, oh that, was God, that was adorable. That was adorable. But I uh, there there were some moments where like eh, they could have had a better line there or uh, you know I feel like they went back in to insert more humor and that's how I, I felt like it didn't f- go with the flow of the story. Interesting. Yeah, mm. but that you know that I, I as someone who loves Asian media, mm-hmm. um, having uh, a very disjointed uh, tone throughout throughout a movie from like mm-hmm. comedy to romance to like hard uh, drama uh that is something i'm used to but i that think for common. for for aquaman i think i was expecting a little more fluidity mm. with the story and i think see that uh, no pun intended fluidity. Ah. aqua oh my god anyway um it was uh, good <laughs> i i actually, i, I kind of like that in movies this is something that we'll talk about when we talk about venom on another episode um i i really like movies that like will will take themselves totally seriously, but then like give a weird wink and a nod and like do a bunch of odd slapstick Buster Keaton shit. Like I, I actually really like that. I like it when a movie goes all over the place with tone because I I don't know. I, I I tend to be of the mindset that that movies don't need to be fully serious or or funny. Like that you can have something that does both. Right. Like I think Atlanta is a good example of this. The TV show Atlanta is a show that like will make you laugh one minute pretty hysterically and then the next minute hit you with like some real fucked up truth like and i i i don't know i i, I like I, I like having tones that go all over the place but I, I can see the complaint that it's that it's a little inconsistent you don't necessarily know how to feel throughout the movie like you're kind of it's it gets hard to track like where you're at whether it's a comedic moment or a dramatic moment or something i think for me it's all about execution that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah. it was it depends on the how it what's the what's the final product and sometimes yeah. it can my complaint be like man i just all these tone shifts and then my for other stuff i'm like oh man i love how many how the range of emotions that it can yeah. do and you're like it's the same kind of concept mm-hmm. but just one did it better mm. i recently saw uh nicholas cage's uh maggie mandy mandy Maybe. oh god yeah. Bad names. uh yeah okay. don't, don't only only that it, it also plays with uh tonality i've heard that. okay yeah. i've heard mandy is fucking insane i, I heard that movie i have it on blu-ray on my wild. shelf ready to go i i recommend it and we'll talk about it later okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay also um, very beautifully colored I s- yeah. i've mm-hmm. seen some shots from that movie it yeah. looks incredible the trailer was i love it mm-hmm. sold me hard mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I I don't know. I I definitely enjoyed Aquaman. I thought that the only the only problem I really had with it that was any major problem was like I think it was about twenty minutes too long. I think they really could have cut a lot from that first act. Uh, what would you have cut? I think a lot of just the the there's some of the stuff with with Tamara Morrison and, and um who's that is that Nicole his dad Kidman. yeah his dad uh they his dad and his mom I think that some of that like they tried really hard to make their love story kind of work. Really? 
I love those it. moments. Yeah. I, I thought I, I wouldn't was totally earned. Really. Yeah. I started tearing up at the end. So I was I like, know. God damn it, I want them to be happy. <laughs> so. I don't know. I, th- I thought the, the the first act for me felt a little rough, especially because of all the like de aging they were trying to do that didn't that was work a little very well. Because strange, all you had was like Tamara Morrison with like a really shiny face when yeah. they were trying to de age him, and then to like try and match it, they tried to make because they didn't really have to de age Nicole Kidman that much, uh, but they did try and like kind of match the visual, and so then her face got really shiny. Yeah, it's, it's just like weird. it felt it felt a little odd. Um, and that, I just, that would I be know. a complaint would be the CGI that they yeah. used. Even though like I get it and lots of Marvel movies of have done that, but they've it, done a little because Mar- the thing yeah. with Marvel was they've worked on that technology for a decade now and when they first started it, it was like very sparing that they were using it. Yeah. And then every movie they kind of started using it a little more, a little more and Disney in general, right? And they used it on Rogue One maybe Got a little Tarkin. too much. Yeah. You know, but like but yeah, you get you get to that point where you can have in Civil War, you can have you know Tony Stark showing up as a kid and look fully believable. Yeah. But they, you know, they were doing it in like little you know two to five minute snippets up until then and just kind of building on that. Whereas, you know, DC and Warner Brothers just kind of going like, yeah, sure, let's just have a fifteen minute sequence with these de-aged actors. Like, I don't know. I I it felt a, it would have been better if it was shorter for the CGI ness of it but i tone and story-wise i i loved it yeah, yeah. i love the chase scene through the buildings oh yeah that was oh, in Italy. Desert chase scene i i believe so yeah yeah it that was it's great it reminded me a little bit of um spielberg's tintin yeah uh, oh my god you're right uh, yeah, yeah yeah a lots of inspiration from that like from jumping and, and riding in a car and mm. so the one character smashing through all the walls, yes. the goon. I was like, yeah, yeah. this is great. Yes. There was so much to love in Yeah, yeah. and Mira had so much to do. Oh, my yeah. God. It felt like it was more a Mira movie than an Aquaman movie at some points, and I was 100% on board. Like, I, she was fantastic. And her jellyfish dress was amazing. Was yeah. It was like something I'm like, is her dress pulsating? <laughs> oh, my God. It's jellyfish. It's great. It was it was just beyond creative yeah. for me. No, I loved it, and that's the thing with James Wan is he's I think he's one of the few directors out there right now who will like really push the envelope and innovate with with visuals, like the way that he directs movies, especially like Furious Seven, um, and obviously you know the Conjuring movies and Saw. Like, there's a lot of inventiveness in those movies, but he can he can really find such interesting ways to to direct action specifically um but even just with his with his set design and stuff like he will always find awesome and different ways to show something so that it's it's almost getting to the point where like you can kind of tell when James Wan directed a movie just because you'll see it and they'll they'll usually you know throw the shots in the trailer like the big example of it for me is when in Furious 7 when they were marketing that movie there's the shot in the trailer where Paul where Paul Walker is jumping off of the car as it's falling off the cliff, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the way that the, the, they had the camera sort of pan around the car as it's following, like, show Paul Walker's face, really fucking cool and inventive. And, like, there's there's just, like, little stuff like that where any dream, James Wan movie you'll see in the trailer, like, there's just, like, a big, insane shot, you know? And, and the sequence yeah. in, in uh, the chase sequence, like, the fact that they had the cameras going in and out of buildings, and a ton of that was VFX, yeah. but, like, yeah. the way that it was following the action was so insane. Um, oh, another, like, it. disjointed... Uh, comedy scene was when uh, one of the henchmen like dunked his head in the toilet, and I was like, oh, "I man. loved that." I didn't need it. Wasn't need it. Wasn't need it. I liked it, but it did feel disjointed. I, feel I like was, I was both. That was more for for like broader international audience. <laughs> sure, absolutely, because <laughs> so. it's a big tentpole blockbuster. You got to have some visual comedy that. I know. Honestly, I know. that particular character, uh, he only had like two lines, and exactly. I'm like, who? 
is this guy? He looks amazing. Because <laughs> uh, before he went to the surface and was attacking them, he was just underwater. And I'm like, dude, this guy looks nuts. Yeah. He was a like, cool like lieutenant character that I wanted to see a hell of a lot more of and that he didn't get much screen time. And I, I was... could be wrong, but I think he's a popular pop star. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Really? <laughs> they, always, they always tend to do that. There's You'll get like a, a Chinese pop star or a Japanese pop star or... Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the movie, because I, I know there was one of the Marvel movies had like a big South Korean pop star, I believe, uh, that they threw in there. Just like they're always trying to like do little things where Smart. the international audiences, because in, in Iron Man 3, I believe it was, I think it was a Chinese pop star that they had that was on screen for maybe like five seconds, like a, such a small little cameo. And because of that, apparently, like there was some sort of research that was done, but like because of that it, it had like a 25% lift in, in box office revenue in China. And they had a slightly different cut. I think it was like a yeah, minute of screen time in that's China. That's what I was going to say. Was, don't they have a lot of the extra scenes yeah. that are specifically for yeah. international audiences? There's like, a, there was a pop star in Valerian uh, yes. playing one of the evil Asian henchmen. No, well, yeah. one of the henchmen on the did, thousand. Did you like Valerian? Uh, I didn't see it. I thought the special effects were good. Mm-hmm. I think I think the two leads were poorly miscasted. I agree. Yeah. I, I would have gone for, like, Liam Hemsworth and, like, Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, I don't like Jennifer Lawrence that much, but, like, I feel like those would have been better casting for those two roles. Or, like, Emma Watson. I I want to like Cara Devigne. Delevingne. Delevingne. Oh, my God. See, I don't even know her name. That, that's how <laughs> much I'm not Yeah, she's involved. not great. Uh, but she did act better than the male lead, who yeah. was supposed to be the hero. And I was I was quite shocked that for all the work that they put in, they didn't cast two very charismatic yeah, that, people that movie was such a that movie was such a risk for that that suit i mean that tanked because that, that was basically an independent uh uh production from luke Besson. and so you'd think that with them going in like that they would they would cast two stars that were like a bit bankable and it felt like they kind of tried to go like for cheap name recognition rather than someone who could actually pull their weight because yeah it's like we spend Dane... as much money on this as we could now who who are we gonna cast yeah it's like because dane dehan like no one's buying him as an action hero at all never and never. cara delavine like she does not like you'll you'll and you'll also never buy her as like because she's supposed to be like this like preppy kind of like by the book straight laced person in that movie and you look at cara delavine and you're like no that's not that's not you yeah, she's more of. She just looks great in yeah. in, in all angles. Uh, yeah, well, I can she, see why I can see why model. people love her. She looks. She is a model. She is. Yeah. Yeah. She she's of the um, uh, almost like Gigi Hadid. Oh, you have no she idea looks, what I'm talking looks, about. No, she looks sorry. very. Right. She looks very fierce. She looks like a, a rogue. Oh, she, she was people from love Suicide her on Squad. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like I feel like with that look, she she has that sort of fierce like roguish look, and you just wouldn't you wouldn't look at her and be like, oh yeah, that's a that's a like goody two shoes kind of person. I'd cast the fuck out of her in Star Wars. For so me, anything in Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. For yeah. me, I feel like look. they also could have condensed the story in a way where Definitely. it should have just been in the uh, Thousand Planets mm. location rather than like a different planet. That's um, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, but that 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 but. Because I wasn't having a great time, that's that's all I was thinking. I was like, how can I improve this movie? And <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like, man, I really hated Jupiter Ascending too. But if they had casted the leads with Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis, this would have worked. This would have worked. Tatum oh, yeah, yeah. I would. I'd be okay with Channing Tatum. I don't know about Mila Kunis though. She, no, like, well, she has the same like uh, 
you know, furled eyebrow mm. type of like cool girl vibe. But that's the thing is, I don't think but that she role can actually sh- act. I don't think that role should have been a cool girl. I think that role okay. should have been kind of a nerdy because that's what they were trying to play is like she's like this like daughter of this like fucking whatever like political person and like oh, she's okay. all by the books and she's trying to tell the the Valerian like not to be so roguish or whatever. And also, Jupiter Ascending tried the Channing Tatum Mila Kunis thing. I know that's what I mean. Like yeah. I, I hated J- uh, Jupiter Ascending, mm. but if they had cast it. I'm sorry. Uh, if they had cast it, uh, if they had switched casting, I would have. No, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne and Jupiter Ascending. But Dane that would have. No, no. But what I meant was like, oh, just take the trash with the trash. <laughs> and at least if you're gonna <laughs> salvage, if you're gonna salvage uh, Valerian, like you could have cast yeah. better people. Either way, you'd still have Eddie Redmayne whispering for 20 minutes of that fucking movie. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Aquaman, thumbs up. Good, thumbs good Aquaman. <laughs> good Aquaman. Talk. Uh, <laughs> big thumbs up. Two, two thumbs up. Sorry, yeah. I have a big rant. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Valerian, That's the so. whole show. The whole show is ranting. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Melody, Aquaman. Thumb- it's an audio medium. Oh well, it's thumbs up. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. This <laughs> good. The natural reaction, just, uh, yeah. just throwing it up there. <laughs> the natural reactions of an introvert. Um, Kent, you've been, uh, diving in and I, I don't know if you have too melody, um, to this, the new Shonen Jump app, please establish what this new Shonen Jump app is. I have jumped so hard in, so it has only been about a month, uh, in the final days of 2018, uh, Shonen Jump now has, uh, if you don't know what Shonen Jump is, let's do that first. Uh, I was about, I was about to jump in, but I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah. Uh, so rewind, uh, have you heard of Naruto before? <laughs> Have you heard of One Piece, uh, Death Note, Yu um, Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball. Ever heard of that one? Yeah. Uh, so it's all from a publisher called Shonen Jump, just the way Marvel is a publisher for comics mm. and DC is a publisher for comics. A uh, very popular manga publisher uh, called uh, Shonen Jump. And the typical way to get comics for them, it was, which is interesting in and of itself, is instead of picking up a single issue of Naruto, mm-hmm. you pick up Shonen Jump's weekly. Is it weekly? Yeah, it's weekly. It's a big weekly, like almost phone book size. Not, no, I mean, not that big, but a yeah, but big fat anthology. For the kids that don't know what a phone book is, what's, yeah. what's a phone book? It's, it's a giant book. With, <laughs> with Something really, you can rip in half. Yeah, with it, newsprint paper. Um, and you get all. Oh, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> What's news? What's a book? Uh, <laughs> it's it's like it's a all Kindle. their series. <laughs> it's like five Kindles it's, duct taped together. It's, it's like it's like Fortnite. Um, is that what they know now? Yeah, exactly. It's like a Fortnite, but it's a book. So instead of reading just like oh I want to read Spider Man and I want to read Captain America, you don't get to choose. In in a and I like this uh, idea is you just go in and you go I'm going to get the Shonen Jump book and it's very thick and it's, you get to read everything that they do and to yeah. keep up you need to be buying it, every single week to it would, read their stories. To, yeah, to read their story. It, it would almost be like and it's a little bit of a rotating thing, right? Like I don't yeah, think absolutely. each of those stories comes out weekly. It's 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 sort of like if, yeah. if Marvel or DC were to every week just put out a book that was all the single issues that they published that week. Yeah. And so, you know... They could do that. Once a month, you would have, you know, your... Well, I guess twice a month, you would have your, like, Batman story continuing. And then once a month, you'd have, like, your Nightwing story continuing or whatever. But, like, yeah, each of those... Each week, they would just basically take all the comics that they published, but put it in one magazine and and put it out. So Shonen Jump, they do that. That's their their weekly magazine is this anthology format where you get all their stories. Exactly. And so now the way the new thing? So the way to keep up before is you would have to buy every single one of those or the ones that you wanted to do to read and kind of tedious and you'd have to get them 
translated. And if you live in outside of Japan where it's uh, it's a translation, you're having to wait a bit. Uh, so yeah. now what's happening, I'll just jump to what's happening now, is you're getting the for $2 a month, they're doing a subscription service kind of like Netflix or whatever, yeah. like Marvel Unlimited for those that are yeah, more, very, more familiar Very with Marvel that. Unlimited. Similar. Very Marvel Unlimited. You get their whole backlog, which is crazy because some of these books have like Naruto has 60 plus uh, trades or graphic novels to yeah. read. And that's just Naruto. Uh, there's tons and tons of series. So you can go into stories instead of having to go like, Oh, well if I'm going to read that, I either have to get tons and tons of those trades, but if they don't exist, then you need to find somehow the Shonen jumps or I know that there's a huge problem with manga being downloaded illegally that they're trying to also counter with this app. But now you can just go in and you're legitimately paying for it. And you can go to huge, huge back catalogs, hundreds plus issues. I think Naruto has 700 chapters. Uh, One Piece has 900 chapters. Uh, and it's $2 a month. You're also supporting all the, the team that's yeah, creating exactly. all of your favorite it's content. True. <laughs> It's yeah. two dollars a month. No, it's 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 again it's it's the Netflix model, but for for this manga publisher, you know, it's it's um I th- I think it's brilliant, and I mean I think it also is kind of in a certain way it's putting Marvel Unlimited to shame. Yeah, because the Marvel Unlimited ten dollars a month, and I mean you still get a lot of shit, and Marvel's been around for a long time. Yeah, um, but I think that. I mean that model two dollars a month, and it like it limits how much you can read per month. Uh, per day, per it's, day you can read a hundred chapters a day. That's yeah, that's a lot. Uh, quick math. That's ten trades, yeah. and that's yeah, I mean, really, that I hit number, it once. Yeah. I hit it where they're like, mm, "You need to, you need to stop for a bit." I well, had to wait an hour, yeah. and then the day reset, and, and the then reason, I went back to reading. The reason that number is so high is essentially so that people don't just like share their login with a million people and, and do that, which exactly. is understandable. That's understandable right? like, for two dollars a month. You know, it's it's t- it takes it's that's ten trades a day. Yeah, a day, a day. So the, yeah, you could you, you could can read a lot you, if you, you max out. You could read three hundred trades per month. Um. Which is a, a ton. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, so, like... If you're going to read that much, you should maybe just buy a second just, account. Yeah, just pay $2 <laughs> per month. And so, yeah, but, and so I totally understand why they have a, a limit there. Um, it just launched, though. This is the whole the $2 yeah. thing. Before they had a kind of subscription thing. It, it didn't... It doesn't matter what it was. That's what it is now. It's crazy. There's what are you even so reading? Much, uh, what a good question. Uh, so I went from 0 to 60 and completely caught up with My Hero Academia. Uh, that <laughs> was awesome. I watched the first episode of that show and it was really good. I liked it. I watched like 20 or 30 episodes like a year ago and I really enjoyed it. But... I watched uh, 20 or 30 episodes, and I kind of hated it. Yeah, it was kind of shitty. I don't know why. I hate it. I spent don't, two weeks watch watching me. that show, but whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I want to focus on comics, so it was a great opportunity to... It's weird to be caught up, mm-hmm. to be like caught up with almost everybody. I think there is a small delay with the translations. They say there isn't, but I was I saw on Reddit that there was a new chapter out, and I was like, oh, cool, and it wasn't on the app, and I'm like, oh, well, mm-hmm. one chapter behind. Who gives a shit? Yeah. That's but, why some people... Uh, illegally download yeah because they can't wait fans transcribe it yeah yeah exactly and i i get i get the whole like not being able to wait but you can wait i can wait wait a day i can wait a day you can start a new story yeah exactly like that's just a million other things that i could be reading or doing instead my entire life doesn't focus on the next chapter of my hero academia but so i caught up with uh naro i'm trying to catch up with naruto uh i've also been reading it's really hard for me to remember the specific phrasing but it's the promised neverland Hmm. which is a really cool comic. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because part of the cool is the 
the twist, the hook in the very first chapter. Uh, so go and read Captain it. Hook? But, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there is absolutely zero Peter Pan references. That's a really weird name to have the ne- Neverland yeah. thing built in. Odd. No reference to that whatsoever. Zero percent. Huh. Not even one percent. Zero percent. Straight. I was like, oh, cool. Is this like a Peter? Pan? Exactly. Are there, any, what you are there any Michael Jackson references? I mean, there are a lot, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I guess I should have. I guess the whole book is Michael Jackson references. Yeah, it's... It's, it's uh, all of the Michael Jackson characters from his different videos. And all the promises he makes together. to kids in Neverland. Oh, boy. <laughs> some empty promises. Uh, it's uh, it's really good. I don't want to, I mean, because even just a little bit of a taste, but just go read that one. Uh, if you like uh, suspense and mystery mm. and uh, horror... Um, the Promised Neverland is a is a really great story and a, a strong female lead. Mm. Go check out that that manga. Uh, I think that's pretty much what I've been yeah. reading there. I've been taste testing really some cool. other stuff. That's eh. yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but uh, you can also there, there's also uh, one that's on my reading list to read list is uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's bo 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 bo. Oh, bo 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 bo. Yeah. It, that was a that was a whoa. show for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, I haven't heard the, of this. The lead fights with his nose hairs is what I heard. It's so good. Yeah. It's okay. a really it's a it's a it's a very wild, anime name. Yeah. So. Bo 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 bo. Um. It's I remember when that was on Toonami. Fuck. I I literally have not thought about that show in at least fifteen <laughs> years, and that, that that just like brings me back. Yeah, that shit was wild. That's so good. I I would really like to read that manga actually. Yeah. Also on my read to read list would be. Uh, the bizarre uh, JoJo's, JoJo's bizarre adventure. I was just about to bring yeah. that up. My my cousin uh, and her husband keep recommending me to read it, and I'm like, it. I think I watched a bit of the show, <laughs> and that I only got. I don't even know if it's first episode, and I want to love that. But what do you think of it? Uh, it's in my. Uh, it's it's in. It's definitely something I would read. Um, I haven't gotten the subscription yet, but I totally will. Uh, I I I need to catch up on One Piece. I'm already like 400 chapters behind. <laughs> That's a whole, like, which is weird because it's my favorite manga, and I'm so behind Dude, on everything. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot to read. Every yeah. every weeb I know is like obsessed with JoJo. I'll say that. Like I, everyone is, yeah. everyone is obsessed with it. People love the the Pompadour. Yes, they do. Uh, do you guys Do you guys want to hear really quick just a a, a quick like small summation uh, or or description of of Bo 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 Bo? 100. What do we got? Uh, Bo 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 is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by uh, Yoshio Sawai, uh, published by whatever, and serialized in the Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, Bo 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 is a comedy influenced by Japanese manzai humor that uses puns, double talk, breaking of the fourth wall, non-sexualized cross-dressing, visual gags, satirical, and pop culture references. Uh, and it lasted from 2001 through 2007, divided into two separate sections with a distinctive uh, difference in humor and plotting. That's cool. Yeah. That's in my wheelhouse. So if you like breaking the fourth wall, non-sexualized, cross-dressing, double talk, and puns, it's the book for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melody, speaking of books and reading and things like that, uh, I know you've got a, a, a nice little little uh, book ski that you've been, you've been going through. Yeah, I, I finished it before uh, Christmas break, but uh, the new Game of Thrones, uh, the world of uh, Westeros. World of Westeros. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, okay so i'm a i'm a, I'm a very big uh, uh game of thrones fan yeah i i love the i love the books and this is such a great uh addition to the series mm. it's just a uh 
just an enormous, also phone book size yeah. type of uh, history book. Only the first volume so far of of the projected two volumes, and it, it talks about the first uh, 150 years uh-huh. of of a 300 year reign of the Tigerians, and it goes really into the nitty gritty of like uh, how the Tigerians. Uh, Targaryens, Targaryens, Targaryens. Oh my God! Uh, Melody's one of those people that reads a lot, and so she never knows how words are pronounced. No, mm-mm, sorry, I'm, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm the I, audiobook guy, audiobook yeah. and podcast guy. I never read the words, and so half the time I don't know how they're spelled. But I know yeah, I mispronounce words all the time, and it's, <laughs> that's me it's, too. I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah, I've pronounced uh, homage, homage, nice. and uh, disheveled instead of disheveled. Who are the members and, of Wu Tang Clan? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. My favorite one that I mispronounced for years was Green Lantern Corpse. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Uh, it was told many times, and then one day I realized yeah. that I was mispronouncing it, even though I was told multiple times that mm. I was. <laughs> so any teasing about... And I ran a comic shop when I was saying it. Yeah. Nice. I say it. Owned one. Owned yeah. a comic shop and was like, you should read uh, Green Lantern Corpse. <laughs> read uh, read uh, Geoff John's Green Lantern Corpse. Geoff. <laughs> Geoff. Read Geoff. Um, Joffrey. Uh, that's, see, I tied it back in. That's transitions. Uh, what's What's been the most fascinating like part of that book, do you think, so far? Oh, just um, the very creative ways uh, revenge has been enacted. Uh, there's this really great piece of history. I'm not, I'm really not spoiling anything. It's just like a really cool part of the book in that a, a princess, uh, so, so the, so the, uh, Westeros has been split into two factions, uh, again, the blacks versus the greens and the, uh, blacks because, uh, not like black the, people. I Is wish that, there were black people in this book. That'd be kind of nice if there yeah. were more black people in Game of yeah. Thrones. Okay, only, but, but it's not never, a racial it's thing. Only like, uh, no, it's it's more about uh, the color of dresses that okay. these two very powerful women of the royal court have, have Interesting. worn. Interesting. Okay. So uh, Queen Rhaenyra is uh, she she is had been announced by her father as the heir to the throne, but mm-hmm. uh, her uh, but uh, the king's second wife has a son. Mm-hmm. So both claimants are are challenged and. Uh, that's how Westeros has been split. It it uh, it will soon become the Dance of the Dragons, mm. and it would all, we will also see an enormous decrease in like dragons, and that's how dragons like disappeared for for a long time mm. before the current events of Game of Thrones. Got it. And why it was also such a big deal. Daenerys uh, got her dragons, and uh, uh, one of the uh, princesses as a revenge for for uh kinslaying mm-hmm. uh she had to choose uh she had a sophie's choice in that she had to choose uh one of her sons which one to die mm. when an assassin like went into uh like held her hostage she chose Jesus. yeah she decided to choose the um the baby because her older son was the heir and so she thought like okay the baby will no less pain what happened was that uh the assassin killed the older child and so she had to live with the fact that she uh the the one the kid that's alive is the one that she wanted dead that is a very george rr R. martin twist i know and <laughs> i i couldn't stop talking about it when i when i read that part 
I was, brilliant. That is brilliant. Also very George R. R. Martin. The two assassins that held her hostage were called Blood and Cheese. Amazing. Blood and Cheese? Blood was a... Uh, two foundations of life. Was a uh, a bloodthirsty soldier of the glo- uh, gold cloaks. Why didn't they call and, him thirsty? You know, I he wasn't much of a drinker, I guess. Uh, and uh, Cheese a was a, uh, a rat catcher in the castle. A rat? Oh, oh my god! Their their names were lost to history, but this is the, these are their <laughs> nicknames. So that's how that's how nitty gritty it gets, and I and I love all of it. Cheese is my favorite character from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. If you guys ever watched that show. The character cheese. Yeah. Blue. yeah. No, not blue. Cheese. But that's the show. It has blue. Yeah, it though. has blue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, cheese, cheese was blue's brother. I don't remember cheese. Oh, dude. He showed up in like. Was he the pale yellow one with spots on his face? With the, with the <laughs> like huge cheese. head. Oh, my God. He was incredible. He he's the dumbest character, but he's so good. I loved Coco. He'd but, be like, he'd come in. He like, he's literally, he was like, what was his? He had like, his catchphrase was like that. He's like, I can't remember what the voice was. He's like, I like chocolate milk. And he's like, that was like his catchphrase. Like, and he's like, he had like this enormous head on this tiny body and his head was just always like flopping around and like, oh was, my like God. he'd drag his head behind him when he ran kind of like Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh shit. Uh, it's some of the, it's some of my favorite animation and it's like very, uh, uh, it's like very UPA style animation in that show. It's really cool. That, um, that show never got enough love. That show did not ever get enough love. Anyway, uh, you're talking about something that's very George R. R. Martin. I think the most George R. R. Martin thing in all of this is that he took the time to put together a giant mythology book rather than finishing a series. A hundred percent. I'm a bit of an apologist for George R. R. Martin. <laughs> oh, we'll have a representative. These are one of the books spirit? that have been uh, in production. So I have another one of his history books. Mm. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I think I think it's that you're you're finding a kindred hey, spirit in someone hey, who delays work hey. to do a bunch of tertiary <laughs> world building. That was no <laughs> comment Look, myself. Yeah, I, no, all three of us at this table are very guilty of that same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I I find it a little funny. Um, Melody, as a Game of Thrones Shade. fan, do do you <laughs> do you consider yourself uh, more of a Game of Thrones fan or more of a Song of Ice and Fire fan? Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, you like the books better. Yeah, I. I am, yeah. the The books just are better, really, poetically better. Um, I I love the I love the prose that he he writes in. Mm. I I love how intricate it, it is, and everything just makes so much sense. Is um, there good? And in the show, uh, the morals of like violence is totally different from the books. Uh, the That's show how I found the Watchmen adaptation. Go ahead. Continue. Oh, uh, yeah. The TV show was all about like violent. You have to, you have to kill because this is the mm-hmm. way of the world. And whereas the books explore like the repercussions of, um, you know, men having to kill and what it means for Jamie Lannister to lose his hand because he used to be an amazing knight. Yeah. And uh, what it what it means for uh, the Hound to be so scared, to be so to be so fierce and and. Uh, frightening but he is he still suffers from ptsd from you know being burned yeah Yeah. yeah. so it it, whereas like the hound in the tv show he he uh got caught on fire but he just like slaps it away like it doesn't affect him or doesn't yeah yeah bring back like he got burned when he was a child how does he not 
doesn't affect him that. Well, there was, there yeah, was so like, there were there were there a lot of one like there was like one moment when he's introduced in the show. Yeah, kind of has a moment, but that's about it. it yeah, so reoccur- it's not reoccurring though. No, uh, there are moments like uh, there were so many moments like that in in the TV show mm-hmm. where they don't completely understand that the uh, uh, the showrunners haven't quite they don't understand the characters mm. as well as I hope they would. I think th- if they were because I don't understand why in the books uh so it's, it's a whole conversation but it's <laughs> yeah um why in the TV show like Arya is seen as like the cooler like character upon mm. uh, other and and Sansa is seen like as this whimpery person who uh deserved the violence it's that Arya wasn't, stabs Yeah yeah exactly and uh but uh you're talking about like well, a a a little girl uh who had to run away from uh who's who lost her father and had to pretend to be a boy and you're in it's in the books it's very clear that she's being trained as a child soldier yeah totally where and and that in the in the tv show it was like oh she's kicking ass she's being so badass and we don't really see how she's actually emotionally handling the fact that she is becoming hardened mm. and uh, a killer. Interesting. Yeah, the, no, that's that's a really good point. I, I still haven't read the books. but Me hearing, either. Yeah, hearing you talk about that, because that was literally before, like, as you were building up and talking about Arya, I was like, man, she's like a fucked up child soldier. That's crazy. And then you, like, build that. And I was like, yeah, fuck, shit. Oh, fuck. The book actually does. Like, but yeah, you don't see that in the show at all. Really, like it's it's very she's yeah. very glorified, and that that's that's my problem with Watchmen, right? Is that the book Watchmen is very much a condemnation of this of the serialized violence of comic books. Like that's the whole thing is that it it deconstructs the superhero medium to the point where it's like, yeah, this this cycle of violence, this repeated violence that on, like violence solving violence is only a deathly cycle that that you know will only be get more violence, and you know obviously Ozymandias' solution to that all this whatever, but in the Zack Snyder movie. It felt like the violence was glorified. Like in the Alan Moore comic, yeah, yeah, you know, these fight scenes would be like a panel, two panels long. Whereas in the Zack Snyder, like it, it speeds up during the violence in the Alan Moore comic. You'll have five panels of a conversation and then two panels of a fight. Whereas in the movie, you know, it's like you'll have one minute of a conversation and then he goes full slow mo and you have like five minutes of a fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just the, the ratio is totally off. Where and that, that was the thing is that it felt like a very faithful adaptation it did until you pointed that out and i've thought about it a bunch i've never thought about that angle a bunch of the dialogue is the same the story arc is very similar except instead of a big vagina squid coming out of the sky it's a giant nuclear explosion you know which i like actually i I really like that change because it makes it more plausibly blameable on dr manhattan yeah and so i actually like that change and to the time period where it's i know it's 80s but it still has like ties to the 60s yeah and it's kind of a sci-fi thing yeah um and so i i i I like those changes, but then the real, the thing that like made that, I think, adaptation less successful is that it wasn't a condemnation of violence, is that it was, it was a glorification of it, you know, and the cool scenes were like when you're seeing these guys kick ass and like get back into it. I, I've always sort of hated, uh, when the moral in, in stories about violence is that violence is warranted, you know, or, or like people, yeah, Yeah. it's fun, you know, like, and I get to get my revenge, but, uh, that's not really the case uh for for me as a as a reader yeah uh it's more like i i don't think i find it fun that she stabs a bunch of people yeah <laughs> and, totally it's too stabby yeah. um 
Yeah, no, that's 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 great. Uh, if anyone wants to to weigh in, you can hit us up on Twitter at Savage Land Pod. Um, but now it is time for uh, a, an ad, and then we'll uh, get into some other stuff on the show, including the Deadly Class pilot, which we definitely have to talk about. A lot of Rick Remender fans in our listenership, I know. Uh, but today's episode uh, is uh, brought to you by Impact Theory Comics. Uh, Impact Theory Comics is a new independent publisher, and they are releasing their first comic, Neon Future. Uh, the comic is a collaboration with world-famous DJ-slash-producer Steve Aoki, and it's written by the Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger. Uh, with artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Ray Pack, the artwork and story are absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, if you like sci-fi, you're going to love this comic, so head over to your local comic shop and get Neon Future Issue 1 on your pull list ASAP. Uh, while you're at it, if you have Instagram, you can see some of their artwork uh, for yourself if you give IT Comics a follow at it comics. Um, I really like this comic, honestly, like not, no joking. The artwork is mind blowing. The coloring is fantastic. Um, and I've actually been getting into Steve Aoki a lot lately. This, the whole neon future thing, the name of the comic, it comes from his, um, album that, uh, his two part album that he's released. He has neon future and neon future two that came out the last few years. Um, there's one song from Neon Future 2 that I've really been listening to over and over again, and it'll be no surprise when I tell you what it is. Uh, it's called Why Are We So Broken? <laughs> and it's a collaboration with uh, from Steve Aoki with Blink-182. Oh, okay. cool. My favorite band in the world. And it honestly... Blink one eighty two does not I'm sound happy like a for you. <laughs> Blink one eighty two does not sound like a band that would translate super well to EDM, right? Like it sounds a little clashy. It works perfectly, honestly. Like I, I don't know if I trust your judgment in this category. I love it. No, seriously, it's so good. He, I think that's the thing about Steve. It Aoki. sounds good though. It does Steve Aoki good. does understand how to work with different vocals, and it's got this like weird, like transient quality. Like you know when you hear a song like um. Like I miss you from Blink One Eighty Two, the 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 verses where Mark Hoppus comes in, he's got that slow like kind of please deep, just keep referencing Blink One Eighty Two deep and calming sort of voice, right? That very like um um what is it called when someone's got a low voice um tenor baritone baritone voice. Did I get that right? Probably yeah. Uh, sweet. Where it's like really low and like calming and sort of trancey or whatever. Yeah, that voice lends itself so well to EDM. Uh, and so it's anyway. If you if you go and read uh, Neon Future, uh, which again, make sure you add it to your poll list. Uh, I'm happy that you're happy. Steve yeah, Aoki's happy for you. Neon Future albums will make a perfect companion. To I'll it. check that out. Yeah. And maybe while you're driving yeah. over to the comic shop to pre-order it, uh, put on put on Why Are We So Broken because it's my favorite song right now. <laughs> um, Melody was over at my house waiting for me to get ready before we headed down here, and that was like the first song that I played while I was getting ready was <laughs> Why Are We So Broken. I don't know if she heard it; she was in the other room. I heard you whistling. She heard me whistling. I was whistling along to it. It's um, a whistler, huh? I'm, I'm a whistler. Um, anyway, uh, quick, this and this this does not have to be a real thing. This doesn't have to be a huge thing on this episode, but I've been thinking a lot about pizza lately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I obviously know. know where this is going. Do you? I don't, no. no. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, there's a lot of um, um, fighting within pizza fandoms, I think. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad blood. There's a lot of there's a lot of really um, um, sour marinara, if you will, uh, between oh pizza God. fans. The eye roll is not detectable <laughs> via the podcast. I okay. I just I just want to know. So Melody and I had had a bit of this conversation. So Kent lives an hour and a half away from me. So Melody and I had a good amount of time to talk while we were on our way over here. Uh, but I I I tend to be of the mindset that all pizzas can coexist, but. Do, do you, Kent, and, and even Melody as well, I know we talked about this, but the listeners didn't hear it. 
Uh, do you have a favorite kind of pizza? Like a favorite version? Chicago, New York, uh, you know, thin crust, thick crust, pan pizza, Detroit style, Neapolitan? No. No? It's f- food. Give me everything. <laughs> but uh, I prefer it with tons of protein, regardless yeah. of style and execution. So you don't, you don't care about style as much as you care about toppings? I mean, I love it. I'm mean, like, ooh, this is crunchy. This one's thin. Ooh, this one's thick. Yeah. I enjoy them all. You'll go for it all? Yeah. I'm like, I feel you. If it was like, hey, we're going to have some Chicago deep test, we be like, cool. We're like, hey, we're going to have some super thin stuff. I'm like, cool. I don't give a shit as long as there's protein. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand the whole war and, oh, you can only <laughs> use it this sauce or whatever. I'm like, did you in- just enjoy eating mm-hmm. it? But it's like, well, that isn't pizza. I'm like, you don't, no like, one gets to say what <laughs> is or isn't food i agree man i agree so the, it, fe- it feels fine. like the trenches of the pizza the pizza war i'll have eat really a been frozen pizza a red baron one Dude. too and oh, fuck, fuck oh okay I, I was <laughs> i'll eat a frozen i love it visually i thought amazing. you just grabbed it from the freezer, <laughs> from the freezer and eat yeah. it because, uh, because there are people there are people who argue whether or not they want to eat cold or hot pizza i hate cold pizza i really okay. hate cold pizza but i like we, it you like it? Fuck you. Um, it depends on also the brand. Some ones have... The, there's a cheese that I'm like, ugh. Like, I'll yeah. have the cold and it's terrible. But there's other ones I'm like, this is amazing. I'll let so. you enjoy that. I think cold pizza's... I'll, I, I think, I think cold, I'll let you enjoy that. I think cold pizza's lame. I really do. But I'm not going to I'm not gonna fight anyone against it. Uh, I do eat frozen Eggos a lot. Only only chocolate chip frozen Eggos, though. I I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, would, you, I would say... Uh, uh, if you put like vanilla ice cream between it, it's like an ice cream sandwich. So that. it's kind of like the the breading of an ice cream sandwich. Yeah, yeah. It's just really good. Um, I also can. I also know how lazy cones. you can be. So. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite melody? Okay, so we're gonna get into another <sighs> argument. Uh, she let us sit and build our castles, and then she's gonna come eating, through and demolish them. What do you with, got? With a pineapple. <laughs> I started liking pizza from Pizza Hut with pineapple and sausage. Really? Yeah. Pineapple and sausage. Yeah, it's. uh, I'm gonna have a lot of hate for for, it. There's enormous argument between people on Twitter about uh, whether or not uh, you you should have uh, pineapple on your pizza. Mm. And the answer is no. I, all I that love that it's, I, become, it's become it's two boring factions against that. each other. Yeah. And so I think what we're discovering is we're hypocrites, but we're <laughs> huge hypocrites. I, I like, hey, it's sweet, salty. Yeah. It's it's not bad. So wow, I think I think maybe that's the thing is some people some people go to war over the style of pizza they enjoy or like over the the pizza genre. I go to war over the toppings for sure. Like if you're yeah. throwing anchovies on a pizza, I'll I'll kill you. Oh, so I, I actually like had anchovies for the first time on a pizza, and it was really shitty. Yeah, see, there you go. You're right. <laughs> I, I built you up there. Yeah, no, face, I like that. I was face. I was about to get so mad. I was like, "What are you about to say to me?" Kim? I was like, "You know what? I'll try it." Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll try anything. And I'm like, "Wow, mm-hmm. they're so salty." Yeah, I get very. It. Why don't I just just I, pour a salt? I personally like uh, fish like that. So and man, we yeah. are. The sides are being drawn. The yeah. conflict is coming. Is really, I think I just war, have bad taste. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I and I also I'm not one for like uh, uh, <laughs> like going to war over 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 types. But I I I I also don't I don't appreciate when people are like deep dish. That's not that's not pizza. I I I mean, sure, I get it. Like you're like, oh, it's a fucking casserole or whatever. But like 
I don't know. Deep dish is good. Have you ever had deep dish? It's, it's, it's incredible. It's I've incredible. Had it. I've never had it. It's, so awesome. I no, it's great. I've never. I don't have an opinion. There's people that would say that it's awful. Melody, so. we got to go to Masa soon. It's a it's a deep dish place in L.A. in Echo Park. Okay. And it's like it's it's super authentic Chicago stuff. It's really really good. Um, it's just it's it's like a meat pie. It's 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 incredible. It's meat, tomato, cheese. I can I mean, see why you like it. <laughs> we can also we can also get it without so much meat if you if okay. you prefer. Does it still count as pizza? Since yes, it, it, it looks like a pie. Look. I'm not but, saying but that pineapple like a, doesn't hold on, count right. as hold on, pizza. Go to New York and order a pizza. Wait, are pizzas pies? <laughs> they are exactly they are okay. because if you if you go and order an entire pizza, what's it called? It's called a pizza pie. All right, you, you have a slice, slice of pie, and then I'm like, what? I'm, no pizza. But now we're going into well, no, like, you either, you either get a slice or you get a pie. Like that's the our hot dog sandwiches. I oh say my God, hot I've dogs are sandwiches, this but this what? is an argument. It's such is a, a popular thing. argument. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're sandwiches for sure. Because I can, I can get a sandwich and turn it on its side and eat it that way. I'll be a freak, but I can do that. I heard arguments that hot dogs fall in the same category as like uh, Philly cheesesteaks. They don't call it a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's called a cheesesteak, but it's because, a fucking sandwich. It's a sandwich. But the bread isn't like separated, which is why That's people... That's just an open mouth sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Sandwich. Yeah, it's it's, it's between people two pieces idiots. of bread. People are idiots. Whether the bread's connected or not is irrelevant. We started we started this conversation. <laughs> to bread. We started this conversation by being like, yeah, I don't understand why people have to go to war. But no, yeah, we're going to war. We're going okay. to war. We're, yeah, <laughs> everyone, clearing. everyone has to pick a side. Yeah, so. the reason everyone, we know is we didn't talk to each other. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, hashtag hashtag pizza wars. Uh, let us know where you stand on all these issues at Savage Land Pod. Um, Anyway, that's I just I had to talk about that for a little bit. I love all pizza as long as it's topped by a fuck ton of meat. Oh well, it's really it's always really fun to have uh, one of those like low stakes, high energy arguments yeah. with each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, gonna, Jason I'm and I were talking care. about uh, like over and under toilet paper, every oh, yeah. cats versus dogs. I really I was over. so I was so aggressive. Neither. Mel, Mel, neither. Like books versus neither. Kindles, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, well, I, people I are very passionate. I want to be a Kindle person, but I can't be. I have a Kindle and I never fucking use it, but I buy oh, so okay. many books. The first time I've gotten into digital stuff is the show jump thing. So yeah. it's kind of changing me and I have to kind of redefine who I am as a person yeah. that I'm like enjoying digital reading i'm getting i love how passionate you are about now i have to take this stand because (laughs) i was wrong this whole time i didn't say that and (laughs) i didn't say that and now and now i have to change my own personality to match this newfound like belief it's just digital is so terrible but the accessibility and the i can i just need my phone to be reading it I hate the size. I hate the, but I can't argue with the price and the fact that I'm supporting them directly and that I can have access to anything anywhere. I, I, that's amazing. And yeah. sometimes you can't always bring graphic novel with you. Yeah, but I, I, I have a huge library. Totally, totally. I, I'm the same way. I, I have Comicsology Unlimited right now, and I'm enjoying it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I've been reading. I've been reading through Hellboy um, a oh, lot through that for the first great. time, and it's really good. Uh, but it's also because I'm, especially right now, I'm focusing a lot on improving my art. And, and like just comic book making, right? Uh, the one thing I lose using Comixology on my phone is I'm doing the guided view, which is great because you can read the story without any interference. The biggest problem is when you're doing guided layouts. view, you don't see the layouts. And so I have no idea how many panels per page. I don't know how they're like laying about the framing choices that they're or the, 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 the choices that they're using in sort of like guiding the eye along the page. And like there's a lot of stuff like that that I'm kind of missing out on in guided view. And so I think that's part of the reason why I've had a hard time adopting it. Um, but at the same time, it's it's it is nice because it's getting me more into reading uh, uh, digital stuff. But it, it, the crazy thing is, I, I I use a Surface Pro, right? 
Okay. The 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 surface the model that I have at least is the same exact dimensions as a comic book page. On 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 the Didn't you get paper. lucky? I know, right? It's the same exact dimensions, and so if I read a comic on my surface, it is the same size as as any regular trade, right? Same dimensions, everything. It's it's almost the ideal digital comic book experience. Except, how often do you think I'm reading comics on my surface? As a also surface owner, I have only read them like twice. Yeah, it's not. I almost I, never do it. Why? I have no idea why. I really don't. Oh, I, I know. I I don't have the time to carry my surface with me everywhere. Well, but even even when I'm at home, even when I'm at home, I'm reading. Yeah, that's true. I mean, instead of my, I've had surface. it as an option. Why? I don't. I just I don't, don't understand. Do you it. just enjoy like the touch of paper? I think that might be it. I just there there must be something about that that I just like can't let go of. It doesn't have double page spreads though. It's only single page. It's true. You can't quite well. Depending on the comic, you can, rot- you can rotate it, but yeah, you rotate it. But then that's that's the thing is that when you have a double page spread on a digital screen, it actually makes the image smaller rather exactly. than bigger because exactly. you have to rotate it, and so it's it kind of kicks in the balls. It's a real, yeah, it it is kind of a a thing. So any any '90s image series is out out of the table right there. <laughs> out of the table. That's not a phrase. Um, it is now. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I I want to be more into digital comics because I would love. To, yeah, I want to too. I, I want to be a minimalist, right? Like the, I, I, I am so jealous of minimalist people. But then I look at my room and it's tons of comic books. It's recording equipment. Do they have hobbies, minimalists? Probably they probably like go out and like look at nature probably or some f- shit. Physic like sports stuff or something. Sports or just like exploring. Running. Well, my uh, my hobby's running. Yeah. You don't need equipment for that. Yeah, fuck. I think you need to hop people. on the Marie Kondo train. Marie Kondo. What's that? What? What? <laughs> It's like the biggest craze right now on Netflix. Uh, art, the art of tidying with Marie Kondo. What? Oh, I saw a trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's you a. Told, she told. is known for like how to organize your life and and uh, I've seen, tidying like, up. Four and four articles about this phenomenon, but yeah. I, ha- I never saw the she, title. Of the she show. is about minimalism and and keeping like only keeping things that spark joy. Wow. It's well, so that's, that's why I have all my comics. <laughs> they yeah. spark joy. Um, yeah. I've tried to reduce, but it's still. A it's lot. tough, man. It's tough when you were, we're also trying to make stuff and create stuff. Yeah. Us individually, the three of us. And so I have like a fuck ton of art supplies that totally. I need or thought I needed. Literally everything I buy at this point in my life outside of food is like for the purpose of making me better at storytelling. Like that's kind yeah. of my big... And so it's like I'll buy comics, I'll buy instructional books, I'll buy um, movies that have like really dope special features, uh, you know, like director's commentary and behind the scenes stuff, whatever. Um and that's like all I spend my money on anymore is that and like a little bit on clothes and then mostly on food and obviously expenses. But like it's wild. It's it's that's yeah. That's what, what I'm trying to do too. You yeah. have a, you have an emotional relationship with it comics. Is. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Or an oh, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. With like <laughs> books and comics, which is why like <clears throat> even though books weigh like as much as bricks do when you move them. Oh my them, god. Uh, yep. yep. People still bring them everywhere, and that's actually like a conundrum that people are having in the Marie Kondo uh, fandom is mm. that because uh, she's gotten readers. she's gotten some flack for wanting people to uh, uh, get rid of some of the books that mm. they're not reading mm. or or it's just like lying that's around. hard getting rid of books man is is that's it's like pulling teeth Sometimes. And so some of, yeah, some of the pushback is like, Marie Kondo wants you to get rid of your books. She only wants 30 books in your collection. But that's not really what she's saying. It's just like, you're not, what are you doing with them? Yeah. Maybe you can donate them. Memories are always like, uh, it, it'll be it'll be less stress on you to see clutter as yeah. well. It's, it's also a mental game. 
My my buddy Scott Corelli, who's been on a few episodes of the show, he he when he moved out to L.A. Uh, or I think a little bit before that, but he got rid of all of his physical comics and went fully digital. Yeah. Um, I and I I don't I don't understand how he was able to do it. He says he's happy, no and he still that. reads he still reads tons of comics. Uh, but he just does it entirely like either on his phone or or on his um. I think he has an iPad, but uh, I'm just like. I'm, my mind's blown by that because I just I can't embrace it yet. I definitely don't like the experience as much. I mean, I'm I've read over fifty trades in mm-hmm. the last month mm-hmm. uh, from comics doing yeah. through manga, and I've done it on my Surface. I have, but mostly mm-hmm. it's on my phone, and I have done it on a tablet. Yeah. And also, it has to do with like the app and how it's working. So that's, yeah, it's the most stable one is on my phone yeah. of all things. Yeah, uh, it's better than the Surface interaction. Sure. So it's. But it's a shitty experience. And then their version of it, the scanned one, at least this is Shonen Jump. This is the, like one of the one downsides. It's not incredibly high res. You can still read everything. You can still see the details. But it's not like you can zoom in and be like, no, don't zoom in. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate on Comixology is that it is very high res. Really? Like, Comixology scans are really, really good. Dang. Uh, okay. That's great. And so, I mean, obviously, and at this point, too, like, so many of the comics are just formatted digitally already. They didn't have to scan anything. Yeah. But, like, the stuff that they have that is old stuff, like, it's it's dope. Like, Hellboy, especially, I haven't read through that. Really? I mean, you can get in. You can get in there. Like, you can see the grit on the ink lines and in, in stuff like that. Like, it's it's pretty good. Okay, then. Uh, maybe I need to pick up yeah. a comic. Comicsology is, yeah. I, and I, I'm, sure, I'm sure Shonen Jump will get better. Um, yeah, I think so, too. They'll probably go back and it just takes, it's a, literally, they've had it for a month. This yeah. whole new Shonen Jump. Yeah. Um, but no, that's an interesting thing. I don't know, uh, listeners. It's another another question for the listeners. Where do you where do you fall on the digital uh, reading spectrum? Uh, you can you can tweet out us at Savage Land Pod, or you can tweet at me uh, at that might be cool. Uh, start the conversation. Um, uh, other uh, movie talk and stuff like that. Um, I saw Vice recently. I won't spend too much time on this, but I didn't. But I wanted to. The new Adam McKay movie uh, starring Christian Bale. It's uh, this is the same guy who made The Big Short for those who don't know. Oh, and it's cool. uh, the movie about Dick Cheney. Um, it was really really good. If you if you saw The Big Short, I did. Um, Vice did has you a, Melody. Did you see, see The Big, Big Short? Short? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I did. Vice has a lot of the same um, kind of strange and unique like uh, uh, narrative devices. Awesome. Where I love that stuff. Yeah, that stuff's really cool. Some fourth. Wall breaking, a lot of fourth wall breaking. Oh, no um, so it's almost like a sequel. Yeah, it's 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 a spiritual sequel to The Big Short for sure, and I, I actually really like it. Um, was Margot I think, Robbie also in it? <laughs> no, so that, and that's that's the thing is they they did, was, they did a little bit less of the like full blown fourth wall breaking where it's just like here's this celebrity to explain this thing, and it kind of it was still breaking the fourth wall, but it was sort of set in the world of the narrative more this time. Okay. You know, whereas like you're literally in, in the big short, you're stepping out of the narrative entirely to explain this thing, right? Like you're going into the real world where Anthony Bourdain is or Margot Robbie is and letting them explain it and then jumping back into the narrative in vice. You're still kind of interacting with the main characters and the main story while they're dumping exposition on you. Um, yeah, closer to House of Cards, but not full blown yet. Okay. Like it's it's in it's right the hap, the perfect middle ground between House of Cards and and the Big Short, I think. Oh, okay. And cool. so I think honestly, those narrative devices in Vice work a little better because in, in in the Big Short, it's like for surprise sake, it's really fun, you know. But it doesn't quite, you know, it, it contributes to the exposition that you need, but it doesn't fully narratively contribute. Whereas these scenes in Vice, I think, also build character for the people that you're watching. You know, it's, it's it informs their character more. Uh, 
which I think is a, a kind of a key thing for doing an exposition dump like that is that if you can also have it give you a little bit more insight into character, um, that it works a little more smoothly. Um, but either way, I, I think Vice has gotten mixed reviews, I think mostly because people have strong opinions on Dick Cheney. You know, the big short was easy to get behind, right? Because it's it's about the housing crash. It's very easy to hate the housing crash and side yeah. with the narrative of the big short. Uh, whereas with Dick Cheney, you have two camps that, that would oppose this movie, right? You have the uh, super right-wing people who, mm-hmm. are, are, who would be Dick Cheney supporters, or often are, uh, who are like, oh, this movie makes Dick Cheney look bad, and so I hate it. And then you also have a lot of people on the left who don't think the movie makes Dick Cheney look bad enough. Mm. And so you get kind of these two opposing camps who are sort of hating on it, attacking the movie because of those reasons. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, there, I, I think there is no world in which you could come out of this movie saying Dick Cheney looks good. Uh, personally, at least in the narrative of the movie, right? Whether or not mm-hmm. you agree with it. Uh, but it, it was, I, I found it very weird. And, and it sounds like the filmmakers also found it weird that they started getting pushback from the left on not making him look evil enough. Um, Interesting. It's very odd. Uh, but I, I really think it's worth a watch. Like if you're, even if you're not into politics, like it's a good narrative, the, the device, they kind of have a, a, a narrative through line, a, a big fourth wall break through line through most of the movie that ties up in an interesting way toward the end. Um, and it's kind of, it's one of those things where you're just like, Oh fuck, that's, that was surprising. Like, and, and especially, I think the movie is even aided even more if you go in, not having researched too much on Dick Cheney. Which is, I mean, that's that's his his life by design. Was yeah, that he was a very yeah. boring guy. Like he didn't want to be covered in the press. Um, and but it's there's some interesting. Shouldn't stuff have shot that it. guy in the face then. Yeah, that's well, you know what's funny. <laughs> the funniest thing about this movie is that's not even in it. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, it, this is a wild movie, and you'll go, "What the fuck?" Dick Cheney did that, and it doesn't include the moment where he shot a guy in the face. Because that was not the shocking, most shocking thing there's of ton- his yeah, vice like, presidency. Okay, all right. I think that's part of it. Is like everyone already kind of knows that. Like, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, popular, you shot Dan most, Quayle in the face or whatever yeah. the fuck, or was it Dan Quayle? I, I don't remember. remember. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like it's like there's so much else in there that it's like that just didn't. There wasn't even a spot in the narrative to put that in there, right? Like it just wow. didn't have anywhere to. And fit. it just didn't serve a purpose other than just like exactly, yeah. Other than just being like, hey, remember that guy, time Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face? Yeah. Um, how to how my seat bale do? Oh, Christian Bale, dude. I mean, like it, it, I'm all my mind is constantly blown by how Christian Bale is able to embody each one of his roles. <laughs> this one, Great. I think, is the most like. I mean, obviously, he was a, insane in American Psycho, and, like, he was really good in, like, The Machinist and, and movies like that. And, and then in the Newsies, his transformative role in the Newsies. Um, <laughs> but this, this is the role that I least recognize Christian Bale in. You know what I mean? Wow. Where I least see that as Christian Bale doing a performance. And That's I'm cool. just like, oh, my fuck. This, like, this is just, this is that guy, you know? So the makeup really... The, the, the makeup, I mean, it's like, I don't think he looks like a dead ringer for Dick Cheney, but he embodies... Yeah him so well and it's it's he's just not he's just not you're, you're not at least for me i was not seeing christian bale there that's i mean i think that's probably some of the highest praise yeah, you can give for, the, an for an actor so iconic and he gained so much weight for the of role of course he fucking did that's yeah, his like signature yeah uh so what's the character about what's the backstory what's the emotional <laughs> yeah. development and then uh how much, how much weight, weight can, can i gain, gain or, or lose, lose? <laughs> <laughs> are they in either extreme physically um <laughs> Yeah, no, because you if you saw um, American Hustle, he like he was pretty pudgy for that, and like he had kind of thick yeah, hair yeah. and stuff like that, and that was fun. He is like obese for for Vice, like he is. 
there was a scene where he's in his un- there's a scene that got cut from the movie where he's in his underwear with a shirt off and like you can see the full like oh it's just Christian Bale it's there's no fat suit here there's no trickery it's just Christian Bale with an what? enormous gut and man boobs and you can see images of it if you google it but it didn't make the final cut uh but it's it's wild <laughs> it's crazy that, what that guy does to his health is absolutely nuts i can't believe he did like i want a picture mm. someone do a wallpaper mm-hmm. of Christian Bale as the machinist batman yeah or american the, psycho cuz he did american psycho then the machinist then Batman, then oh, he was so trim in American Psycho. Totally, he was yeah, very buff. He, um, and then you'd probably have to not go... buff, but just like svelte. And and then in Batman, he was bulky. Yeah, in Batman, yeah. he was bulky. But yeah, in 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 yeah, in, yeah um, uh, American Psycho. Yeah, he was just like yeah. So he's cut. just uh, yeah. Like if I were to study like figure drawing, like I would love for. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's got like a perfect a model. He's, yeah, he's like he's a, a, every an every week. He's a new body. <laughs> yeah, so. um, yeah. It would. I, I'm sure there is like a, a progression of Christian Bale somewhere. Um, but yeah, I I I, I really liked Vice. Um, it was a it was a winner. I'm I'm just excited to see what Adam McKay continues to do. And actually, that ties into what we were talking about in our cold open. Uh, uh, Anchorman, uh, Step Brothers, and Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Those are Adam McKay movies. Oh, I didn't realize Adam McKay did. Vice. He did. And the big short. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he literally the other guys was kind of this middle ground in his career. When you watch the other guys, which I think is an underrated movie, it's like of comedy. Uh you know, it's and it's funny and all that stuff. And then like in the third act it gets really kind of depressing almost where it becomes about like the housing crisis and like how banks are evil. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can see that's like the moment that his career turned where all of a sudden he's doing like very very overt films that aren't you know, just sort of for laughs. Um, I'm glad. I, I hope um, he continues this this string of like mm. political takes that and he's been having. Totally. His, yeah. And I I, mean, I would love to see him. Like, what else can what else can he he do? Like, what else? Mm. Uh, which uh, uh, other topics can he tackle? Yeah, like controversial yeah. figures or. Is there know, a good amount of comedy advice? It's yeah. or is it a comedy? There, there, there's a good amount of laughs. I I don't I think it's a great way to do political and educational stuff mm-hmm. where it's like the like big short or whatever is if you mix comedy in there it really makes it more powerful well, look at the success of last week tonight right like that's i love that show it, it's a great yeah. show and of course we're all a bunch of you know left-wingers that, yeah. that love that kind of content but super like, liberal but i mean just the execution yeah injecting comedy into any kind of information that you're trying to convey is always going to work you know a, a youtube channel that i worked for for a bit wisecrack that's that's a big thing that they do as well um is injecting laughs into you know, into educational things. I mean, it's just, it's the best way to convey stuff. And it's for something like, there's a thing I've been writing that's, that's, um, it's not so educational, but like some of the narrative devices that, and, and the sort of kind of tricks and methods that Adam McKay has been using in these last two films have been like a huge kind of inspiration for some of the stuff that I've been working on. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a very, cause he breaks a lot of the conventional like film school rules of storytelling or whatever of filmmaking, you know? Um, and, but it still works, right? It's, and I think it's that thing of rules are meant to be broken. Like if if you if you can pull it off, then really there's nothing you can't do. It's just about how to pull it off and not use yeah. those types of things as crutches, right? Rather than like yeah. make them work for you rather than working for them. I I would say um, Scorsese's like uh, Wolf on Wall Street comes close in totally. in terms of oh like God, yeah. the way uh, a controversial figure and how his uh, I how how his history is explored but what adam mckay for me does differently is that he he has a a brad pitt moment 
in mm. the big short mm-hmm. where he condemns these yep. two uh, uh, whippersnappers for, for like taking pleasure in yeah, the fact for, that they were cheating. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas with wall street, he still wins in the end. And I, and I get that that's Scorsese's thing. Yeah. It's kind of, that, that's the thing is it, yeah, it, it but, almost felt like Scorsese was like, trying to say like look at how fucked up this is that this yeah. guy is like still winning in the end it's is but. it's not one of my favorite movies of his uh because of how gratuitous and uh the sex scenes were mm. and and it just it just made me be very uncomfortable as a woman mm. <laughs> to to be watching it of course i i can i can i love leo in, in the movie i mm. think uh, jonah hill it, it shined a lot yeah. but in the way that it was told like all of his uh all of the scandals that this guy was involved in, yeah. uh, it, it was, it seemed like it was more celebrated than and that's, uh, explored. That's the big question with that movie. And that's, that's always been the debate, right? Is that, is that, is this celebrating awful behavior or is this movie, um, um, showcasing the amount of excess that a guy like this is living in and the amount of, the amount of, you know, absurdity that he's, that he's going to like, and that, that's, that's, you know, I think the most kind of hotly contested thing is, is did the filmmaker go too far or was he trying to to fully show how absurd this guy was living, you know? And it's it's yeah. a tough it's yeah a I tough can't make that answer. call, but it does feel like it's got hints of both. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. I think I think both points are valid. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think to a certain extent, there there is an amount where you have to be like, yeah, like I'm going to show you just how fucked up this guy is, but but then also, yeah, like how many boobs do you need to show and and all that like shit. It falls into the same realm as um, how true crime can get really icky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, how many more dead bodies are going to be splayed in this manner? Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah, like, same with like news yeah. when they're like you know ambulance chasing cameramen and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's I I feel you. The movie yeah. Nightcrawler tackles that particular topic. Oh really well. yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of apps and comics and and that type of thing, um, and Nightcrawlers and Nightcrawlers. Uh, oh, well, actually, in this case, not Nightcrawlers. Um, more Nightwings. Uh, <laughs> have you have either of you guys tried out the DCU app yet? DC Universe. I've seen it, but seen I haven't it? tried it yet. I did a free trial. Okay, what'd you think? Um, it'd be nice if there were some comics on there. There are. I know you've said that, and I went looking for it, but if I hide it under my house and you're supposed to find it, it's very difficult to navigate through that app to find comics. They don't make That's it fair. accessible. And so, if it's not accessible, then it's next to not yeah. being there. Like it's the next best thing to to not being there. The UI on that app sucks. Um, yeah, I agree with you there. It's and even even for the shows, it's like I, I watch Titans, yeah. and it's like every time I go back in, it's like a little difficult and inconvenient for me to like find the like the next episode to watch. It's How weird. Is Titans. I really like Titans. It's inconsistent. Okay. It's got some bad episodes, but it's also got some incredible episodes. How would you compare it with Deadly Class? Um, and that, that, that is a, a great segue into our, our, our next topic segue. after this, uh, <laughs> but, but I still want to talk to talk Titans a little bit. I would say deadly class, especially the pilot of deadly class. Cause that's all that's out so far. That's the, all I've seen. The oh, pilot of deadly class <laughs> is, is far superior, I think to mm-hmm. the pilot of Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how consistent the quality level is on deadly class going through this first season. Um, because if you were to show me say, whatever the Jason Todd episode is of Titans or the Donna Troy episode of Titans, if you were to show me one of those episodes mm-hmm. and say, this is how the show is, I'd be like, shit, this is, this is an incredible show. This might be one of the best shows on TV. Um, but then if you show me the, the pilot of Titans, maybe even the first two episodes of Titans, I'd be like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, there's, it, it, it's got flashes of greatness and it's got some really awesome character moments. Uh, 
Starfire gets a lot of flack, but I actually really like the the choices on Starfire. Um, people complain that they made her look like a prostitute in Titans, and I think there is there she because she kind of has this born identity sort of thing going on where she doesn't know who she is, and it's kind of implied that she was doing some sort of like espionage, like mm-hmm. undercover with like the Russian mob where we meet her in the story, and so I I mm-hmm. kind of feel like her the way that she's dressed and looks is the part that she was playing before of this sort of like, you know, bimbo for a Russian mobster. That's a really weird argument for her because isn't Starfile like overly sexualized in the comics? She always has so, been for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. She, so. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's also that thing where, you know, it's almost like, but don't, don't, it's be almost a like the worker. Finn, it's almost like the yeah. Finn Jones thing, right. Of casting his iron fist where it's like, yeah, sure. He's always been a blonde dude in the comics, but like, do we need to make him a blonde dude and a white blonde dude in the uh-huh. show? You know what I mean? And I understand that argument. I just think that the people making that argument for Starfire are looking very surface level mm-hmm. and not looking at like the context of where her character is at when we meet her. Mm-hmm. Granted, the show could have done a better job explaining what she was doing before. Um, it's it's very her her reality is very subjective in the show, and so we kind of know about as much as she does as we're mm-hmm. going through the show, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know a lot. Um, but I feel like all of the dots are there to connect to just be like, oh yeah, she was obviously like doing some sort of weird like espionage thing and so she was playing a part and the clothes that she had were these types of flashy weird clothes um but i understand the argument either way i think titans is really good um overall it's just it's very inconsistent and they chose to move their season finale episode 12 it was initially going to be the season finale of season one they decided to make it the first episode of season two mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. so the show ends on a weird note because the episode that it ends on now for season one wasn't initially planned to be yeah. the season finale. Yeah. And so it kind of feels like there's no real good conclusion to the first season. There's a lot of cool shit that shows up in there. And I think the last episode is controversial because of, well, because of the arc and what happens in it. And I, I'll leave it at that. But um, all I will say is Batman shows up in Titans, which is really cool. And <laughs> I, I heard really, that he was coming. I really it's, like it's about his... time they had Batman on a TV show for live action. I re- they, and they I beat around that bush. Who's playing Batman? Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but I think they killed it on the uh, the, the the costume for Batman. It okay. was really really yeah, can we pull good. That up? Um, the uh, the the costume for I mean the costumes in general. Sorry, on I'm the making show you scramble. Really uh, um, go ahead. Uh, I, I didn't notice. I just noticed something similar between Deadly Class and uh, Titans. In oh, yeah. that Did you watch the first episode of Titans? The I short didn't. comic relief always has green hair. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Good, I don't good, know if you guys watched pick. Power Rangers, but Power Rangers in space also had a green haired short man make cracking jokes. Can never get the ladies. <laughs> I, I, I missed that one. I was, I was yeah, the original Power Rangers. I just noticed that. <laughs> As as we were thinking, as I was thinking about the two shows, we're gonna have to keep uh, yeah. looking for green haired comedic uh, relief characters. Uh, for the for Titans, how far did you get? Uh, I I haven't seen an episode yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just have a lot of opinions now. <laughs> oh, me too. I, I watched the trailer and I I was like, this doesn't look good. Uh, I I do want to get into it because I was really into the cartoon. Uh, Teen Titans. Yeah, that was uh, great. And Teen Titans Go was pretty fun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think for me it's just yet another subscription. I yeah. I don't know. Uh, Titan, the Titans TV show itself hasn't quite warranted me 
wanting to pay for a DC app. So yeah. like I'm I'm already dragging my feet on show and jump, you know? Yeah. And that's two bucks a month. And yeah. DC's is eight. But I mean like they're all gonna be in in that rough price price range and it's not gonna get easier when is it this year that Disney Plus is coming out, that other uh or? yeah, the toward like fall of this year. Yeah. Uh so it's just only gonna get worse. Mm-hmm. Uh but um yeah when I had the, I did the free subscription for the DC app and uh I immediately jumped on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman from the nineties. Uh, just because I wanted to, I, I watched that show. It was like one of the few shows that I kept up with as a ten-year-old, or however yeah. old I was when in the nineties, sometime. And uh, I have no idea when I, how old I was, but um, that was uh, it. Was fun to watch uh, a good chunk of episodes, and man, there are some occasionally good episodes on that thing, and some of them are just dated, very dated. But it was interesting. It's an interesting take um, on Clark Kent being the true identity yeah. of of Superman on that show. Where it's not Superman's not the real version of it's more like the psychologically like he yeah. thinks of himself as Clark Kent, and sometimes not he's Kal-El. Superman. Yeah. Not Kal-El. Not as an outsider. He's a guy from Kansas. Yeah, That's which cool. is sometimes they, they you know they they flop all over the place in the comics on all the tone stuff. But it was really interesting to see the show where it was more about him as Clark Kent. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. interesting. I do want to see the next iteration of like Clark Kent being this bumbling, slovenly like figure. Um, and Supergirl does it pretty well, although he's like All Star Superman boy. explored that. All-Star and I, I I love that interpretation because All Star Superman. Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely. Oh, yeah, when he's a reporter and yeah. he's interviewing, yeah, but Lex he he's also. like a uh, clumsy. He's, yeah, uh, I don't know how they do he, that. So he well. looks uh, instead of like being big and strong, kind of chubby. He, yeah, yeah, he seemed chubby. He, yeah, he hunches yeah. over and kind of like exactly. he, he wears his weight really kind of heavy. But that that also says a lot about like how one can hide themselves by mm-hmm. taking on a different persona, yeah, losing confidence, and so people start to not notice you yeah and there's you can find yeah. on the internet like quietly's breakdown of of how he drew superman versus how he drew um clark and it's really cool he like he because it because it he i mean obviously frank quietly is that type of artist who really has to make things spatially and physically make sense you know for all of his drawings because he's so detailed um but yeah it's, it's this full breakdown where like it, it he just shows sort of the progression of like clark into superman it's really cool yeah um Anyway, to foray over, uh, Deadly Class Pilot. We all three watched that. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. What did you, first off, did, did either of you guys read the comics at all? Yes. I read the first issue, and then I bought a few of the trades just based on that first issue. Got it, okay. I think I'm caught up on three of the volumes. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. about where I'm at, too. What do you think yeah. of the comic, Melody? I love it. Yeah? I I love the... Uh, is it called Zip Tones? And, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the use of the colors. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, a well-told story so far. I'm actually pretty shocked how faithful the pilot was to it. Yeah, I thought I'll, they I'll were going to discard that. the Ronald Reagan plot because <laughs> this had this type of show had been in development for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was like, yeah, they they probably want to like uh, fix it for for a more contemporary audience. Yeah, but no, um, uh, the main character is is homeless because of Ronald Reagan's policies and. Mm. And that's why he wants to assassinate him. And yeah. I think that's really uh, risk, a lot of risk taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I, I, I love it. And the, so the reason that this was so faithful to the comic is mm-hmm. because the writer of the comic, Rick Remender, is also the showrunner of the show. That's great. That's And that's what happens when you have a creator-owned comic is you get to dictate your terms for when it's adapted and you get to control things. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I I I was so surprised at how good it was and how one hundred the the uh, director of the pilot Lee Tolan Krieger uh, is the same guy who directed our first two episodes on Sabrina. Um, oh yeah, he's a he's a very good pilot director uh, and and a feature director. He directed the movie um, Age of Adeline, uh, which which is also I think really well done. Um, but yeah, it, like I was. I was shocked at, at how how faithful it was and and how much I I can't wait for the show to explore the mythology of Deadly Class and of, of this school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the characters were like it was perfect casting all around. I like that Benedict Wong like he looks nothing like the the headmaster in the comic, but he is such a good presence in that show. He like is. the exact same so comic. Right. It doesn't look like him. I I really like the old guy in the comic but mm-hmm. he was perfectly cast so I, I would say the in the comics is a bit of a stereotype mm-hmm. like the Chu, fu manchu, fu manchu yeah. uh, type of thing but oh, the way just, he looks so cool i know i know he's yeah i i think it's cool too but i think uh they did Love the right suit. thing by getting a a very intimidating person like yeah. Wong yeah. to take on the role he can do such great range i I'm really happy that he's he gets to shine now because he's usually yeah. like the and he's usually the guy in a sci-fi movie who questions you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you've seen Annihilation. He he took on I that role. He uh, I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of the exposition he's a librarian guy. and yeah. <laughs> he's Strange. in Doctor Strange. He's yeah. a librarian. Yeah. Librarian in Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he he's he's he has a very. He puts on a very like uh, stone cold stoic face, mm-hmm. but then in the pilot of Deadly Class, he actually gets to show his range. He has some serious character development too, in just that first episode where he gets to talk about his grandfather, and yeah. I, he doesn't get anything like that in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I love that they expanded on his family history in in mm-hmm. uh, Deadly Class. Mm-hmm. I love that it linked uh, his grandfather to the history of the railroad workers yeah i thought that was amazing and uh because that is such a tragic part of our history and uh that is yeah it it is the uh when when people think about um you know chinese americans that's usually where they start and they and to see it in tv form is kind of amazing for 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 me uh my yeah yeah i you know i'm chinese myself but my family emigrated way past that time but those those men who lost their lives and and built uh this railroad they set the stage for acceptance of chinese americans in this country like even when they figuratively united the nation with the railroad (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah it was they they were working under uh heart they were working in hard labor it's uh, very little wages they they were killed by slaves yeah yeah they were killed by you know jealous uh white people and um and for that anger to show up in this show and have it like we we uh we know that in deadly class what they're teaching these kids is really fucked up and so like this is the logical conclusion of what happens when all that anger and and need for revenge like where does it go of course into this mysterious school (laughs) within a butcher shop you know of, of and like I, I love that the instructor is a Komachi, uh, uh, a woman mm-hmm. who who's like, there's no liberal hand wringing here. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't remember that character. Really, she's the trainer, the martial yeah. arts trainer, the like hot 
martial arts trainer with like her bangs cover with one eye and she's a brunette. Okay. Fuck, man, that sucks because I remember most of the god. All right, I guess I'm blanking. Uh, no worries. It's solid, yeah. Solid she'll she'll show, probably, she'll be back. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. I loved. Um, I can never remember his name, but he's the Marcus? punk rock guy. Oh, the um, instructor. He's from a punk rock band, but yeah. now plays on that character. Oh, oh, Henry Rollins. Yep, yep, Henry Rollins. Yeah, he was perfect. He was wonderful. That's such good casting. Too. Yeah, I love that. His dialogue, that man is terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I yes, I totally agree. I, I I really like. I mean, I like Henry Rollins' just existence in general. Um, but I, I love that they brought him into the show because that's such a like the fact that he was an '80s punk rocker just like adds so much to the fact that this is a show about like a punk 80s. rock kid in the '80s. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I I think top to bottom the casting was just incredible. Yeah. Um, the lead is so cute. So yeah, Marcus, yeah. he's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's got the perfect. Yeah, he's cute, but he also got like that little perfect edge. Ang- exactly, yeah. angst yeah. edge. I think he's a badass too. There's one one other kid, and I, I think I think he is perfect for it. There's one other kid that I I think could have been really good in that role. Um, he plays Nick Scratch in our show, Gavin Leatherwood. I think he would have been really good in that role. He's the dark, mysterious, brooding uh, uh, yeah. love interest for yeah. Sabrina. Um, Toward the Blinking, second half the of season witch. one, yeah, he's the male witch that she starts talking to, the dark and mysterious guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was right at the end of when I was watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, no, I, I think that kid is really good. Whatever. Um, I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super impressed by the show, and I'm, I continue to be crazy impressed by everything that sci-fi has been putting out. Um, the Expanse, I finally started watching, and it's, it's an cool. Amazon show now, but like the stuff I'm watching is still the sci-fi stuff really really good i think it's i mean i i think this show if it hadn't been on sci-fi this whole time people would be putting it up there with game of thrones as like one of the most like ex, pardon the pun expansive uh uh mythological shows that really holds like a solid through line um the characters are really well realized and stuff and, and the the vfx and like the kind of scale of it is done really well i hear nothing but good things about the expanse and everybody fucking brings it up yeah where do i watch that what app amazon prime <laughs> okie dokie i got that yeah prime video it's it's on there and the third season is a prime exclusive because uh, amazon bought it wow um okay cool yeah benjamin also where West, by the, way. the marvelous the mrs kid. mazel is it is great great show i'm halfway through the second <gasps> you watched season. it okay I'm halfway through the second okay. season uh no i love that show yeah he enjoyed I'm it glad. i enjoyed it a lot the <laughs> the there's so many good things in that show that's, that's a whole i know a whole thing uh <laughs> yeah i love it i love it so much okay well we'll once you finish, yeah, no. I, there's so many things to catch up. Um, yeah, I, I I love it. Well, and we'll we'll it's talk about some of the, stuff the this age of so accessibility, where it's like, hey, um, what are you up to right now? Well, I'm reading all this, uh, like me, I'm reading all this old comics from like the mm-hmm. '90s that mm-hmm. are like manga stuff, oh. or whatever. And it's like, it's going to become very hard to keep up with everything. Yeah, it's, it's going to get harder and harder every day. There's new stuff, but the back catalog is still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other the other sci-fi show I actually wanted to mention really quick is Happy, from executive oh. producer Grant Morrison. Oh. I mean, wait, wasn't there a comic that mm-hmm. Christopher Maloney, right? Chris Maloney is the yeah. lead. Yeah, it's based on the comic. I didn't read either or watch the guy it from clearly. SVU. Yeah, Law it's, and Order SVU. It, Chris Maloney's a great actor. Um, it's okay. So it came out on Sci-Fi. It's a sci-fi oh my original. god, the 
imaginary or whatever. Yeah, that, the that imaginary thing. friend oh God, that comes I'm to really, find. Really, really, really. I love that actor. He's so fucking was, good. It's like a unicorn, right? Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, happy yeah. the unicorn. Uh, Holy shit! I didn't realize that was a, based on. It's the on Grand Netflix Morrison now. Comic. So it, it's it's a year ago. It came out on Sci-Fi. It started on Sci-Fi. Did it get canceled? No, no, no. Oh, it's it's they're coming back for a season two, and season two looks absurd. Season two looks crazy. <laughs> He's uh, such a good comedic actor. It's crazy because he's mm-hmm. so famous for that drama role, but yeah. kills it in comedy. Well, here's here's the fusion that they accomplished in in Happy that I've really loved. And Grant Morrison is an executive producer and a writer on the show. That's yeah, really weird. A good adaptation has people involved <laughs> in the, the original version. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's becoming a thing more and more now. Um, but it's not only is it does it have Grant Morrison's hands all over it. It is most of the episodes are directed by the guy who created and directed the Crank franchise. <gasps> And so, oh, that's awesome! The visuals and the directing and the action in this mo- in this show is wild. Like, because Crank is one of those franchises that is intentionally over the top in every way possible. And so, it's got the mind of Grant Morrison with the visuals of the Crank guy. Like, it is, I I, I cannot, and it's done so well. Like, it's Jesus. it's just, and then Patton Oswalt voices the uh, unicorn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. It's really good. It's really oh good. My God. It just barely came out on Netflix. Uh, wow. I highly, highly, highly encourage everybody to go watch it because that show is like low key one of the greatest shows ever created. I have no time to watch all these shows. <laughs> There's only eight episodes of Happy. Also. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's a little it's, more it's digestible. A little more digestible. Um, yeah, I, I really like it so much. Uh, uh, there's a, a Netflix thing I want to talk about that's just came out that I watched. Oh, the Bandersnatch? Yeah, we're going to talk about that on another episode. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but that—that that is all the time we have for today. This has uh, uh, been a, a pretty full episode. We—I try to keep it under two hours now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining. We'll probably be be on the next episode. It'll probably be the three of us. Maybe another person with us. Who knows? Um, and we'll have plenty to talk about, uh, including Venom, Spider Verse, Bandersnatch, and many other things. The old comics we've been diving into, um, and maybe some uh, weird history from Melody. Maybe even Ralph breaks the internet. Who knows? We got plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, but thank you all for joining, uh, for listening to the show today. You can follow the show at Savage Land Pod on Twitter if you have uh, any things you want to talk about from the topics discussed today. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Savage Land Podcast. Uh, Kent, where can they follow you? Uh, at Kent Heidelman. Uh, Instagram is probably the best public. Yeah. And then they can, they can also find you uh, Comics Out Loud and um, Comic Review Puppet. Uh, yeah. Uh, both on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, go check them out. Uh, Comics Out Loud and comic review puppet mm-hmm. uh, one is it's all comics related uh, comic review puppet reviews comics that's easy to get that way comic comics out loud is i don't know you, you have a better comics out loud we is we already like, kind of talked is, about it on the show yeah comics out loud is is a sort of um off the cuff uh uh, uh wild interpretation Mystery science theater almost, 3000 well, sort of no esque I'd say I'd say it's it's just it's it's a comedic and crazy reading of a bunch of old comics. Um, there you go. It's it's really fun. Just if you check it out on Instagram, look at their first post, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, at Comics Out Loud, Melody. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna plug anything? I don't know. I don't know if your sure. Instagram is too personal or anything. Oh like no. That. no. Uh, you can follow me uh, on at mldmiu. And uh, I no longer have a Twitter. So, no longer but on Twitter. Instagram, <laughs> but on Instagram, uh, I do post updates of uh, drawings I've I've been yeah. doing, uh, selfies, and nice. uh, I I also started posting like hashtag Melody learned something bits, <laughs> where uh, you know I just recently learned that Hitler had a nephew named Willie Hitler. Yep. 
and he used to blackmail him. Those must have been very interesting. Better, really yeah, yeah, for better jobs. And then no idea. Uh, when he couldn't blackmail his uncle anymore, he fell ass backwards into an American citizenship. So. Wow. Adolf what? Hitler's nephew, American citizen. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Like he's, I mean, he sounds like a thug, man. I believe the book is like the the history of like Willy Hitler or something. The history of Willy Hitler. Yeah. Wow. I actually want to read that. Yeah. Was uh, he, do, you th- do you think overall that, that Hitler's nephew was a good person or do you think he was just as much of a scumbag? Oh, a bit of a opportunist for sure. Opportunist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's... he, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he, Hitler had relatives who actively tried to stop uh, the Holocaust efforts. Like mm, there was a wow. cousin who uh, helped a lo- uh, some Jews, uh, Jewish people uh, leave the country mm-hmm. and find a solemn, uh, but then, uh, he he was just an idiot nephew who wasn't particularly talented but because he was related to hitler he was able to uh go to america and and they were like okay in a way to like humiliate hitler let's make his nephew an american citizen so wow. <laughs> so That's it's just like one of those interesting, interesting tidbits that yeah. i decided to post about because I, I i do read a lot of random weird stuff and mm-hmm. i wanted to share that's funny. Yeah. I love it. So you can follow me on Instagram. Hell yeah. At MLDMU. Um, MLDMIU. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at a white kid. You can follow me on Twitter at that might be cool. Um, and Kent is writing down a note as if he's about to suggest something, but then he had to stop to sneeze. So now I, I have no to... idea what he was going to bring up. Um, From some other time. <laughs> I'm trying to stop to sneeze. Um, but uh, the, uh, yeah, the other thing I'll mention is, as, as I've teased a couple times on the show before, um, there there is going to be a change in format on the show coming up, and again, there I'll I'll have more on that soon when when we're ready to fully give the details. Um, but obviously Matt and Rachel have been missing from the feed a lot lately. Uh, their schedules have both gotten crazy busy, uh, and they just have not really had the time or ability to record lately. Rachel moved uh, pretty far away from Matt, and so it's been inconvenient for her to get over to Matt's to record. And Matt himself has been uh, incredibly busy and and hard to. Uh, to find a schedule, but uh, they will definitely be on an episode uh, when we finally kind of talk about the format change and stuff like that. Um, just know there's no there's no weird drama. There's no bad things at all with it. It's it's just you know more of a scheduling and life thing than it is anything else. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll have more on that format change uh, coming up. But uh, just know the show will be around in in some iteration for for much time to come. Um, but thank you all for listening to the show. Uh, make sure you rate and review on iTunes if you're enjoying what uh, what you're getting. Thank you to uh, Impact Theory Comics for sponsoring this one, and we hope you've enjoyed your time in the Savage Land. Be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>